let's get into the word. We're moving into uh, the second part of Romans chapter 6. But before I start, I really sense uh, the Holy Spirit here today. Have you sensed God moving already in our praise and worship time? And, and I just, as I was preparing to bring this message, God really put on my heart that today this place would be a, a, a sanctuary where God will come and do some refining. You know what refining is? You get your hot pressure, you get your precious metals, and they go under super hot heat. You refine the metals, and all the impurities and stuff get separated from the precious metal. That's going to happen today. And you might have, you might be living for Jesus, and all's good, but sometimes we just need that refining process to touch us again, because we start to just get into a bit of a flow and a bit of a zone where we don't. Maybe it's the spirit of familiarity. It can work both ways. Sometimes you're familiar with, I don't know, how we do worship and things here and we take it for granted and then we go to another church and go, oh, I love my church. <laughs> that kind of familiarity thing. But we can also get familiar with our lifestyles and the things that impact us and, and, and what happens and we, and we don't notice it anymore. It's like the person that, um, you know, when you first, who's, you don't have to put your hand up, but if you've smoked before, Okay? Maybe you've dabbled in having a cigarette or whatever. When you first do it, I believe there's this big voice that goes, Don't do it, it's bad for you! But you try it anyway. And then when you have the second one, it's, Don't do it, it's bad for you! And then your third one, Don't do it, it's bad for you! Until it gets to the point of, <laughs> Maybe it does that, I don't know. I guess what I'm alluding to is that the voice gets softer because we don't, we get familiar with the action and the activity and we just do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I think today God's going to put his finger on things and, and, and everyone's susceptible to this. So I want you all to be open for the Holy Spirit to touch you today. Things in your life that need refining, that need removing, that need to, you need to come under the fire of the Holy Spirit and God's going to remove some stuff today. You ready for that? Awesome. I am too, so that's pretty cool. When we um, finished Romans chapter 6, all those, I don't know, it was about three weeks ago, uh, where I got up to, you might remember the story I talked about the old captain and the new captain. Who remembers that? Two of you, brilliant. The old captain goes insane. And so the crew get together and then the old captain leads them into like this crazy storm, which is just because he's insane and he doesn't know what he's doing. And he leads the crew into this storm. Then they come out and they survive barely. And then the first mate gets around all the crew and says, you know, our old mate, old captain is insane. So I will be the new captain and I want you to listen to me. And this new captain led them on amazing adventures and journeys and they prospered and plundered and, and, and lived a good life. The old captain was still there barking instructions, but he was so insane, he didn't even know they weren't following them, so it didn't matter. But he was still there, and I likened that story to our lives, where before we were slaves to sin, and the enemy was barking at us these instructions. The enemy's insane, because he's telling us to do stuff that's ridiculous, but he convinces us that it's okay, and we go on that journey. And a lot of people were set free from that old voice. I uh, shared the story on Friday night as well at our combined youth, and we believe that young people were set free as well from listening to that old captain. Because we're not to listen to him anymore. He's still there. He's still barking away, trying to get you to do stuff. But we're under the authority of the new captain, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're allowing him to speak into our life and lead us and direct us. So that's where we, we left off. And, and I started sharing about uh, three active verbs to help us 
in identifying uh, and overcoming sin in our lives. And so the last scripture that I shared, I think I've got it up there, 8 to 10. So if you want to turn there in your paper Bible, Helen, um, and anyone else that has paper Bible, it says, (laughs) Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And so he's no longer a slave to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin anymore. We are now slaves to God. And for God to move and operate and work uh, through us. And, And knowing this is half the battle. Getting this knowing, getting this understanding is half the battle. So Paul is using a series of three active verbs, and I touched on the first one last time, and that is to know. Paul says that knowing Jesus rose from the dead, he cannot die again, and therefore death has no mastery over him. This is the first step in overcoming sin, to know that Jesus died to sin and lives for God. In the same way, when we give our hearts to Jesus, we die to sin. It doesn't make us sinless, because we are sinful by nature. But the sin no longer has dominion and control over us. So we die to that sin and we live for God. And and so as Christ does, we do also. So moving on to verses 11 to 14 now says this. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it, in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. We need to learn to take this as truth. This is true, what is being shared in this scripture. And the second and third active verbs to overcoming sin are included in this scripture. In the same way we know that death has no mastery over Christ, we ought to take it as true that we are no longer in slavery to sin because we are joined and united with Christ in his death through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what happens. It's a divine connection when we invite Jesus into our heart. Everything that he's experienced, all his characteristics, everything he's ever done becomes part of who we are because we let him in to transform us from the inside out. The New King James Version uses the verb, and I don't know, was it an Aussie that wrote it? It says reckon. Is that an Aussie word? Reckon. I reckon. Not reckon. It says reckon. We ought to reckon ourselves dead to sin. In other words, Paul is saying, make up your minds that sin does not have power over you. Make up your mind. Don't allow the old captain to come back and whisper sweet nothings in your ear to lure you back to that way of living. Reckon in your mind that Christ died once and for all for sin and have that revelation because it's a revelation. You've got to have it. I can't make you have it. But you've got to reckon. It's an Aussie thing. You've got to reckon. You've got to make up your mind that sin does not have power over you. So reckon is the second active verb. And then the last one, The third and final step in overcoming sin is to yield to God. Yield. We should not offer our bodies to sin. 
when we've experienced Christ and we've reckoned in our mind what the truth is about what sin is now, it has no power over me anymore, we're a slave to it, well then we yield to God and we offer our bodies to God. We say, God, use us, choose us, lead us, guide us. It's not a matter of doing nothing. You don't just experience Christ and do nothing, but it's a matter of doing the right thing and making that choice in your mind. I understand what Jesus has done. He died for my sin so that I could be free. So I don't have a desire to do that anymore. Now I'm going to trip up and make the mistake, but my desire is not in that stuff. My desire is to present myself a living sacrifice and live for Jesus all the days of my life and do what he's called me to do. That's the transformation that happens when we go from darkness to light. It's a change of attitude and desire. Because all of a sudden, we don't want to live that life anymore. If we've truly experienced the radical transformation of Jesus and invited him into our heart, we don't want to be that person anymore. You remember the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Fear represents sin, all of that stuff. I am a child of God. It's so true. Jesus is both, and this is interesting, he's both our example of a life that is fully surrendered to the will of God, because that's what Jesus was, fully surrendered to God's will. But he's also the one who enables us to walk in that same surrender. So, so he's the example, but he's also the enabler. He, he did it, and then he makes us do it when we follow him. It's our faith that makes the connection between the two. We believe that Christ did it, and, and we saw how he did it, and we want to be like Jesus. So now we go and do. Because faith then overrules our own will and allows us to abide in God's will. Ultimately, there is only one will that is holy, and that is God's. So I don't know about you, but I want the will of God for my life. Because that is the holy, anointed, set-apart will. I don't want my will. I don't want my desires, because there's no anointing in that. That relies on my own abilities and strengths, and that can get taken away in an instant if God wants to. I want to rely on His will, because it is holy. You know, Paul reminded the Galatians, in, in, the, in the book of Galatians, it's chapter 6, verses 7 to 8, if you want to write it down, take your notes. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I know where I want to put my attention. The Spirit of God in my life. Move in power. We sang it this morning. You know, people may breathe a sigh of relief when they do something wrong, thinking, great, I didn't get caught because there was no repercussions at the time. But there's no avoiding the destructive consequences of sin. Sometimes they come immediately and sometimes they come later, but the point is God sees. And he sees into the deepest of, deepest of sections of your heart. He knows. We have to live in these bodies the rest of our lives on earth. This is our earthly body. And just as Jesus carries scars on his hands and his feet to identify what he went through for us, well, sin can leave a scar on us may not always be a visible scar, but it can be an internal scar, hurts, deep grief, a broken heart. All these things can identify sin in our lives, but when we realise that God sets us free from sin, 
that we are no longer slaves. You know what? The scars are there, but we rise above the condemnation because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We rise above the old captain's insane voice. In fact, my prayer for all of us is that he's always going to be there, but that his voice would get softer and that God's voice would be what you hear first and foremost in your life, the loud, dominant voice that we're listening to. Paul says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. Well, this is a faith offer. That's what's happening here. Your body will fight against the righteous walk with God. Your natural inclination is to walk away. You don't want to follow that thing. That's the natural, because we are sinful by nature. But God brings us to this place of submission to his will because we learn to trust him. And we learn to trust the new voice, the new captain, more than the old insane voice. And we trust and submit to God's will. But it means we have to choose. And we have to choose carefully. And for some of us, depending what our sin is, and everyone's got a different challenge that they face. But it may mean you've got to choose carefully, like what you look upon or what you touch or what you listen to or how you overcome certain situations. Maybe you have a spirit of gluttony and you love food, so you've got to watch what you taste and smell. It's hard when there's a chef in the church. Yes, chef. You make such beautiful food. So it's a, it's a it's temptation, it's a challenge, because it's all good food. <laughs> so whatever it is, you know what your challenges are. And so then you make a conscious choice. Well, I'm going to be careful what I watch, or I'm going to be careful who I hang around. Like, you see what I mean? You reckon. You, you come up with, you make solid choices about, that's my weakness, so I need to put things in place around that so that I don't get lured to that thing anymore. Uh, and that can be different for everybody depending on what your challenge is. Is this helping today? Yeah. Let's go to verses 15 to 18. It says this, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. God, you do not know what that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey. You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obey from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. The question today is whose slave are you? Have you gotten to the point where you're using those three verbs actively in your life every day to know? Know that Christ died and lives for God. And in the same way, your sinfulness has died and now you live for God. To know, reckon that you are dead to sin. Make up your mind that sin has no power over you. Make a conscious choice. Put things in place to help guard and protect that weak space. And then yield. We should not offer our sacrifice, our bodies to sin. We should offer them to God. Are you in that place? Whose slave are you? Are you still a slave to some temptation and sin and challenge? Or are you a child of God and you're a slave to God? Paul wants it to be understood that being under grace in no way lessens the righteous demands of the law. And I've talked about this before. It's not grace or law. They both have their role to play. If anything, grace becomes more demanding because law points out our sin, remember? And therefore points out our requirement and need for grace. 
And so grace is even more challenging because the law points out how sinful we are. But praise God that in the middle there's Jesus who sets us free from condemnation and, and from the law and the people pointing fingers and, and people accusing. And you're no longer a slave to the sin in your life anymore because you are transformed from the inside out. It's any wonder that Paul used the analogy of a slave because in the Roman Empire, people became slaves in many ways. You know, one way you were born into a slave family, perhaps you were born into one. Uh, another way is to be captured in battle and then you became a slave. Another way was to be forced into slavery if, if your nation was taken over, well, you're, you're now a slave. And then the last way is, and this is an interesting one, if an, if an otherwise free person went into another person's house and acted as a slave, well, under Roman rule, if the person did this, he or she was a slave. Wow. Somebody chooses to go and serve in someone's house, they're now a slave. That's how the culture worked at the day. So the idea was, as a man does, so is he. So Paul says if you act as a slave to sin by doing sinful things, you're a slave to sin. If you act as a slave to God by doing good things, well, then you're a slave to God. As a man does, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man does, so is he. There are only two options, slavery to sin or slavery to God. Whose slave are you? There's no middle ground. You can't sit on the fence. You're either following and being led by the old captain who's insane, leading you down a pathway of destruction, or you're listening to the new captain who's giving you new orders, who's bringing you blessing and, and, and helping you and giving you wisdom and leading you through the challenges of life. There's no such thing as not having a master. People say, oh, there is no God. Well, something's your master. Something is in charge of you. Something's telling you and speaking to you and helping you make decisions. Some people will say, oh, it's just my inner conscience. That's the enemy disguising himself as some pretty fluffy, I don't know, <laughs> fairy godmother in a funny pink tutu. I don't know. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. There's only two options. Slave to sin, slave to God. Those are your options. We all have a master, and the question is, which one? It's good to ask ourselves sometimes, how am I making decisions in my life? Is it based on what God's telling me to do, or am I sneaking into that very easy, slippery slope of making choices on my own? The way we act is a demonstration of our choice. So Paul keeps bringing grace into his discussion with the church in Rome, and he knows that while the law reveals sin, grace brings healing to the sinner. And while the law points out our sins and weaknesses, grace points up to our Saviour and His strength in everything that He's done for us. And we are under grace. It's our umbrella to protect us from the spiritual turmoil that surrounds us. We need it. This world is dark. There are many insane voices out there trying to lure us and, and direct our paths in life. If we fail to grasp the significance of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, we will always be in bondage to sin. Always. So our struggle is not with the law, and it's not with grace. It's not either or. We're not struggling with those two things. Our struggle is with sin and how we deal with it. The law drags us out into the light, exposes our sin, and grace then leads us to the cross where our sin is paid for and done away with. Where are you in the middle of that transaction? Are you still a slave to sin or have you allowed Jesus to heal you and release you 
from temptation and challenges and, and you're clinging to the cross. It's either or. You can't sit on the fence. You can be a certain distance on the journey, but you're either this side of the journey with Christ or this side of the journey struggling with sin. You could be here and almost there, but you're not quite there because you haven't allowed Jesus, you haven't handed over the reins of your life because you like control and you like being in charge and you like you, you dislike allowing someone else to come in and dictate how you should live. And you're just here and you're almost there. And God's just saying, I'm right here with open arms waiting to embrace you, waiting to receive you and waiting to transform you from the inside out. You've just got to let go and let God come in. You know, as believers, we've changed masters, haven't we? We were once over this side of the fence and now we are clinging to the cross. We were slaves to sin, finding no way out, but now we are servants of righteousness because we've surrendered our life to Jesus. And Paul states it more definitively. He says, you become slaves of righteousness, verse 18 of Romans chapter 6. Verse 19 says this, I speak in human terms. This is him talking about the slavery. Because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Amen. I like Paul because he does. He just talks in, in a language that we can understand. That's why he talked about it. He's writing to Rome at the time and slavery was such an issue that they would be aware of. So when he talks in those terms, they got it straight away. The Roman church would have known all about slavery because they would have known its advantages and disadvantages, how it worked, its binding nature and how to avoid it and how to enter it. So Paul talks in terms that they understand. And I like that. I like that I can pick up my Bible and read it and understand it. And it doesn't go over my head because it's terms used that are simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Who complicates the Bible? What do you do? Misinterpretations, misunderstandings. I'm going to close it out here, but we've got some refining that we want to allow God to do. Romans 6, 20-23 says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, and a lot of us know this one, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the question we always ask is, what's in it for me? What's this all offering me? And, and Paul nails it in this scripture. The wages of sin is death. You know what? What's in it for you? You deserve to die. Ooh. We do. We all deserve to die. The sinful lives that we live. Yet, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus has paid the price. He's dealt with our sin. So what's in it for us when we understand that? We get the opportunity now to be the church. So the church isn't this building. It's a lovely building. 
call it a church building. I call you the church. We get the privilege, the opportunity in the little country town of Stanthorpe, little small region called the Granite Belt, to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, to represent him in our daily lives, to be a light in a dark world, to share Jesus. Granite Belt includes Warwick, by the way. Just got that out there again. <laughs> Sorry, Warwick friends. And, and um, Tenerfield. And what can we call all of that? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Our region. <laughs> um, we get the privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. But you know what? We can't be released into that until we've gone through the refining process. Now, you might say, oh, well, I've surrendered my life to Jesus. I've lived for him since the days of Noah. I'm good. The Bible tells us to work out our salvation daily. We are lured and tempted daily. There are things that draw our attention, that take us away from the things of God. And it's 99% of the time not because you're necessarily a bad person, but we have a sinful nature. And certain things, the enemy knows what flicks our switch to draw us away from the things of God. He lures us, he tempts us, he deceives us. The, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he wants to rob you of every good thing that God is doing in your life. He wants you to be killed. He won't tell you that, but that's the ultimate goal. Killed meaning for everlasting life to be gone and for you to come down into the fiery pit with him for eternity. He wants you to be killed. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. And that's why he lures you things with temptations. The world, we call it the world, but it's the enemy at loose in the world using worldly things to take our attention away from the things of God. I've got a song I want us to sing. I'm going to invite our team to come up. We practiced it for all of 30 seconds earlier. Uh, but we are going to sing this song, and some of you may know it. And uh, perhaps as we sing, because it's hard for me to be here and be here, but I'm going to invite Anita to come when she feels ready. We're going to sing the song. And I'm just going to ask her to pray over you and finish off with ministering to us today. So why don't we stand on our feet?
Ready. 